I'm Michael Holly, and you're listening to the Celtics Pride podcast on Celtics Blog. Welcome to the Celtics Pride Podcast on Celtics Blog. I am Adam Motenko. With me, as always, my twin brother, Josh Motenko. What's up? That's it? That's all you got? That's all I got today. And our good friend, Mike Minkoff. Hello, gentlemen. I took a couple days off at the end of last week from, from my regular job. It gave me gave me time to, you know, get into the trade machine, start crafting my, uh, my Twitter DMs for... For Mike Zarin, so you know, get ready, brace yourselves. Yeah, I hear there there may be openings in the front office, Mike. It sounds like you are ready. Uh, if if the Celtics should come calling, oh, I, I'm already getting a lot of calls. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Uh, today we're going to look at some off-season decision making. What is on the horizon that the team needs to be thinking about? But first, let's revisit this situation. So Stevens is now the the Pobo, the P O B O, president of basketball operations. Um, any additional thoughts that you guys had now that we have had some time for this to settle, Mike? Let's start with you. Yeah. So you know, we we recorded our last episode. Uh, the same day that the news dropped and it was so startling you know we all we all had our reaction um and i didn't really have time to like <laughs> really think about the implications of stevens as um popo uh you know we we always joked there was always the jokes about president brad stevens i think somebody on the on the celtic slack uh, brought back like those t-shirts like a, a picture of those t-shirts and like well this worked out <laughs> which was a hat tip to that individual um but you know as i thought about it i'm i've kind of had two competing thoughts and i'm curious where you wh- whether you fall in either of these camps or or neither of them or if your your thoughts have changed or evolved at all in the last uh handful of days since the news broke but so on one hand um uh, a couple of days after everything after after the news broke i was like stevens has it just dawned on me he has no experience in this role like <laughs> yeah, like you didn't none. Know that? No, I did, but I did didn't sink in the same way at first. You know, it was so much that was changing that like really the the seriousness of someone being in that, you know, front you know, frontmost facing position and making those final calls and potentially being the final negotiator on some of these really complex uh, transactions uh, or negotiations with agents. And he just has none of that final, you know, like he's been part of the conversations, but in a very different way, obviously, and in a very different capacity than being the one with the final decision. And so I was like, what are we doing? (laughs) Like, This is terrible. So I had a little bit of that dread. Uh, Let me let me just offer you the two the two sides of my mind on this. Um, Because then I think it was earlier today or maybe it was yesterday. Uh, Time's a blur for me at this point. Um, But I was like, well, on the other hand, I could see Stevens 
as um, the, the CEO of my company once described uh, another senior executive as like a great facilitator of talent, mm. which I thought was fitting of that individual. And I think is also a fitting way to describe a skill I think Stevens has. I think Stevens, one of the key contrasts and styles that Stevens, I'm guessing, will bring versus Ainge, is I think Ainge liked being like the final decision maker and like kind of being out in front in that way. I see Stevens being more, take, you know, being a bit more removed from a lot of the decision making process. I'm not quite saying that right. I see him giving empowering those around him more than Ainge. And I think Ainge involved everybody around him and wanted to hear from everyone around him. But I see Stevens empowering people around him more. So I th see Mike Zarin having a, a bigger role and a more active role and pr more prominent role in negotiations than even he had to this date. And by all accounts, he was very actively involved in that. Um, and... And so I, I could see Stevens creating a, a work environment where people maybe even thrive a bit more. That's totally speculative, but that's like the other side of my mind as I've been thinking about this and trying to figure out if this is a good thing or a terrible thing for the Celtics. Yeah, and I'll we, stop there and hear your reactions now. But We have no idea whether Stevens is going to be good in this role. He's never done it before. He's obviously very bright. He is hardworking, but we have no clue. And I'm in the similar place to where I was before, which is it feels like the front office and the coaching staff has gotten worse. But I think it's a natural part of, of transitions. We were very lucky to have the kind of experience we had before. Um, I think Stevens can be great in this role, but we have no idea what will happen. Uh, 18 years ago, we did not know whether Danny Ainge was going to be good in this role. And at the time, people were saying he's too young. He has no experience. Ainge had coached a, a successful Phoenix Suns team, but he did not have front office experience. He's the same age 18 years ago as Stevens is now at 44. Um, so people are saying similar things about Stevens. Um, and we are just going to need to wait and see. Um, I really, I'm really curious about what Stevens is going to look like, what his values are going to be as an executive, and um, what kind of player talent uh, evaluation he's going to care about. We have trends with Danny Ainge. He loved those small, gritty point guards. He loved guys who were um, really... Uh, aggressive and motivated in workouts, um, the guys that had a really high compete level, he would rather take talented, um, high pedigree in high school players with, with a ton of uh, competition than players who had developed already. He would rather take the, the, those talented guys and, and try and make it work with them with the right uh, competition makeup. We don't know what, what Brad Stevens cares about, and we, we will find out in, as he starts making moves. And I, I, I don't know what else to do but wait and see and evaluate once we see what he does. Josh, where are you? Well, I, funny enough, I, I read in the New York Times over the weekend that uh, the United States in general is hiring more applicants with little or no experience than ever before in, in various jobs. Um, 
I think that the sports world has always been kind of a a world where you don't necessarily need experience. Like you can kind of get a job off of the street if you know the right people and they think you have the right skills, whether you have the experience or not. Um, and so it's that that kind of makes the sports world more unique than traditional industries. Um, I think that, you know, maybe I was a little too, um, put a little bit too much value in like understanding Celtics legacy in our last podcast. But I do think that that kind of gives Brad some uh, like the right type of knowledge that the owners are looking for, for this new role that he has zero experience in. Um, you know, just being around the organization in other capacities is good enough for them um, and doing really well in those, in those capacities. So um, I, I'm actually not that worried about, uh, about Stevens doing a good job with this. I really like the fact that it, it's apparent that Tatum and Brown are being asked their opinions and, and brought into decision-making um, that shows both that they're most, more, most likely to be kept together for the long term and that, you know, we're doing this the way that contemporary organizations around the league are doing it, the way that players who are making these multi-million dollar contracts are wanting to be involved. And to be doing that with guys that are as young as Tatum and Brown, I think, says a lot towards, to, to you know, the continuity that I think is really important for the Celtics team moving forward for the next decade or two. So one of the things Adam said, Adam, you said, um, and I, I'm Josh, this uh, the, the, raised a question for me that connects to something you've brought back time and time and again as pertains to Inge and the um, let's say the the bad luck uh, the Celtics have experienced in the past about four years. And I'm wondering, you know, Adam, you you mentioned kind of what you asked what values Brad Stevens is going to bring to the job um, and, and how that differs from Ainge. And I wonder if we see an active uh, cultural sea change away from this will trade anybody communication mm -hmm. and messaging from the Celtics front office and uh, more of an orientation around there are some guys that are just Celtics lifers. And we see the, the Celtics, frankly, go back to the way Red operated hmm. and start operating a bit more like the Lakers did with Kobe at the end and like Dallas did with Dirk and just say, hey, you know, you know, if Mark Cuban had been running the Celtics, Pierce would have retired a Celtic. Now, you can argue that it was better for the franchise to trade Pierce and KG and we got Tatum and Brown. But I think I think we saw a certain, you know, there was a certain approach that the Celtics took under Ainge that was pretty cutthroat and ruthless and arguably has has left a, a negative mark on the team with free agents in, in recent years. Yeah. Um, and I wonder if Stevens and, and the new leadership is going to actively try to rebrand the, the way the team does business. If Mark Cuban were running the Celtics, he would have signed Paul Pierce to very low money with a bunch from his other company coming later uh, to ensure that he evades the salary cap. Or as Bill Simmons speculated uh, with like Luca, I think it was uh, 
on a podcast this week. This is me, Adam, not Josh, making the Bill I know, Simmons so reference. it's allowable. Josh, Josh <laughs> quoted the New York Times, so he gets props for that. <laughs> Good to see you listening um, and reading to new things, Josh. Uh, but uh, you know, J- Bill Simmons was speculating how would how would uh, you know Adam Silver at all the league know if any of these owners was dropping like a hundred million dollars in in nfts or bitcoin and some <laughs> offshore account at this point like it's a fair point like who yeah. would know yeah i mean so th- that's a really interesting perspective mike and I- i'm curious about josh's opinion but the danny age has been very vocal that when he was a celtic player he thought red made a mistake by keeping mikhail bird and Parrish together uh, he thought they should have been traded and there were trades available for detlef shrimp for um Sam Perkins, there were good players the Celtics could have gotten for those guys. And so we saw what Danny did. He took the reverse approach. And, and Mike, you, you said it's, it's the debatable what the results are. And Josh, I'm curious, with players these days, what does it look like to uh, value these, these – they're not millennials. I don't know. What are they? Gen – what? Uh, Players are there's a a different way that they want to be valued by teams. They 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 have more autonomy than ever in the league to create their own teams, uh, to play general manager. Uh, and Danny was was a, a ruthless competitor, and he saw his job as trying to win a championship. And players were it, it was almost like a video game level where he was open to trading anybody. What would it look like, Josh, for Brad Stevens to take a different approach? And, and what do you think is valued at this point by players these days? Well, I think just by Danny Ainge leaving the front office, you can remove the, you know, we'll, we'll trade anybody at any time concept. I think that everybody can kind of relax um, in, in that way because we don't know what Brad is going to do. Um, and it seems like Brad likes continuity it seems like he likes a certain type of guy i mean i don't think it's just danny ainge that likes these high intellect guys that we see on the team right now i think that's also for brad stevens and and his preferences of guys who can learn the systems and the defense as quickly as possible so that we can just get down to winning Uh, i think brad is pretty competitive i think he's showed that at butler i think he's shown that with the celtics as well um you know, I, I, obviously the story of Danny Ainge talking with Red Auerbach about, you know, why why didn't you trade Larry and and Mikhail and Parrish, you know, that while he was still a player with the team, like that says, that says all you need to know about Danny. And I think I think he made the right move with that. Um, and I've been thinking about this a lot in terms of, are we are we ever going to get to a point where there's no players who stay in, with one organization for their entire career? or for the majority of it. You know, I don't like, think so. Me neither. I don't, I don't think, think so either. So. I think, I think, I think there's always, always going to be like one to three. Yeah. Exactly. And so right now you've got Dame Lillard. I don't think he's leaving Portland because he has a lot of say in what happens there. Um, you know, they're going to get rid of Terry Stotts first. And I think Giannis is going to stay with the Bucks forever too. I think that that's just the type of guy he is. And Especially if they I don't win think, this year. Yeah, I mean, I, even if they lose, I still think Giannis is the type of guy where he's he's happy, you know, in Milwaukee, doing what he does in Milwaukee and, and being the focal point there. And loyalty means a lot to certain people. I think it does to Giannis. And I could see the same being true for Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, to be perfectly honest. You know, all the people on Celtics blog or away from the blog fans who are afraid of if we don't this or that, then we're going to lose these young players to, you know, 
some better team. I'm not so sure about that. I think that we, we've proven as an organization that we can consistently be that team that players stay with for their, for the long haul. Um, and, and I think that that Brad and the new front office is making the right steps to, to show our, our young guys, you know, that, that they're valued in that way, you know, and so, it's not, it's not Marcus Smart who's involved in the, in these decisions with the team. It's not Kemba Walker who's involved in, it's just Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum who've been, you know, rumored or, or publicized as being a part of these decision-making processes. Well, I'm, I want to circle back to this. I'm going to circle back to this a little later in this episode. So, I've got some I've got some thoughts, but just to to tease that a little bit, I would say, um, you you know, you say everyone can relax now, but we'll see, right? Yeah. I mean, there is a big off season ahead with a lot of tough decisions around pretty central guys to the team over the last at least two, if not longer, years, um, and and we're we're going to talk through some of those decision points. Shortly, um, so uh, you know, I want to come back to this question and what you just said, Josh. When we get into that, it sounds like Danny Ainge is going to stick around for at least a couple of months to help make this transition. Uh, they still need a, a coach, and it did come out. I can't remember if it was through a tweet by somebody in the media or through the um, the news conference, but it was mentioned that Brown and Tatum would be consulted with uh, on decisions. Uh, both personnel and for the head coach. So what that means to me is that this team is not going to hire a head coach that Brown and Tatum do not fully endorse. And they may say, hey, we really want these qualities in a, in a head coach. I don't expect them to be suggesting, hey, let's go after this player in the offseason. But I think the team will, will go to them and say, what do you think about this move? We have this opportunity. That is really interesting. That's a different way to handle uh, – um, treating your stars than historically in the NBA. And, and I want to say for, for this team in the past, but we don't actually know what that looked like. Um, it is interesting to see that that's how it's going to be going forward. So uh, we talked about coaches that might be, that are available. And, and Josh, you spoke a lot about who you were hoping that they would go after. A couple of updates. Steve Clifford is out. Uh, Terry Stotts is also out. Jerron Collins, an assistant with Golden State, is now on the market. He left Golden State, and he would like to be a lead assistant or a head coach. The coaching carousel has just started, and I would expect more coaches to become available, uh, potentially from teams currently in the playoffs. Jason Kidd has said he's not in the running for Portland after Dame Lillard called for him specifically to be hired. We can come back to Dame when we talk about offseason moves, potentially. Um I think the Celtics, uh, this opportunity for a head coach, it's got to be the best one in the league right now for for currently open positions. Is there a a better opportunity for a prospective head coach than this one, uh, either now or expected? I mean, I think the opportunity to coach Dame is probably pretty enticing, especially if Portland, if that front office can get um, a bit more creative than they have and willing to move CJ McCollum. Um, I mean, you know, Dame Lillard is a like top eight player in the NBA. Um, Jason Tatum has a trajectory that could get him there and it's an exciting young core, but I, I, I think certain coaches might be more intrigued by coaching uh, Dame than coaching the Celtics young core. But it, it, you know, I think, I think mm-hmm. the Celtics, 
Celtics team is probably pretty pretty enticing. Josh, yeah, I think there's 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 going to be other teams that will be more enticing as the playoffs continue and other coaches move on from their positions uh, from teams that are currently playing in the playoffs. So uh, I think just like the players would rather be in certain uh, certain weather patterns or certain parts of the country, I think it, that's also true of coaches. And if you're one of the top coaching candidates and you can choose between an LA or a Boston, I think it's pretty tough to you know, for Boston to get that kind of a guy. Um, so I, I think as of right now, yeah, we look like we're maybe at the top of that, uh, that list, but I don't think that we will be after the playoffs are over if we haven't still hired somebody. I don't know who in the playoffs really, I mean, unless Milwaukee loses this round, maybe there's a chance that bud could get fired, but wow. you know, Brook, Brooklyn's not going to fire their coach. No, but the right. Clippers Nash could. isn't going anywhere. I don't think you think you think Luke we, we are, you be don't on the hot seat after one season. I mean, Steve Ballmer is insane. So it's more like what is Kawhi going to do? Kawhi Leonard is going to dictate what happens with that organization. If he yeah. goes elsewhere, I can't see Tyloo staying there. Hmm. And I could see him being one of the top candidates for the Celtics. Mm-hmm. So I was actually hope I was expecting that they were going to lose to the Mavericks because it looked like that was about to happen, and that. And that would mean that Kawhi really had some thinking to do, and that could trigger the Tai Lu thing to the Celtics sooner. Now it's looking like that's going to take a while or not be an option. Let's look at other offseason moves here. So there's some key decisions on the horizon for the Celtics. Are they going to trade Kemba Walker? There's a good article on the blog uh, about that already and a lot of speculation. Let's. I want to talk about what that might take. Um, they need to re-sign Fournier. Hopefully, or else that usage of the that portion of the TPE, TPE and the two draft second round draft picks are for naught. Are they keeping Tristan Thompson? Uh, the the potentially most tradable player is Marcus Smart uh, because you're not going to trade Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum. Um, are they extending Robert Williams this this uh, summer, Mike? When you look at all of these decisions. Um, what factors are you thinking about? Where do you see the team going? Well, so right now, I'm looking at uh, sporttrack.com. Uh, according to this, the Celtics, with 12 players signed in the 2021-22 season, are projected at $23.575 million over the cap. Um so that includes Kemba, that includes, you know, Smart, uh, that includes Tristan. It does not include Fournier. Um, <laughs> I don't, it, it's, it, it's a pretty bleak um, cap situation. So I think you have to start there. And, you know, the Celtics are, they really are, uh, you know, Brad Stevens is picking a heck of a, a circumstance to get his first go at being the GM. You know, Adam, you mentioned earlier uh, when Ainge came in, people were concerned he was too young. Um, the thing he did have going, the Celtics team had had recent success going to the Eastern Conference Finals, but like it was a pretty like ugly form of basketball to watch. You know, they were all they went all out on defense and they played, I mean, I guess a style befitting of today, just with bad three point shooters like Antoine chucking up uh, hundreds and hundreds of threes uh, each season. 
Um, and Ainge kind of systematically dismantled a roster in a really bad salary cap position to eventually after, you know, a successful, you know, gambit for a championship. And then, I don't know, an additional eight years finally put the Celtics in a cap cap space position to sign free agents. Um, and that basically took 15 years. The Celtics might be about 15 years away from having cap space again with their current situation. At least it feels that way. Um, so I think, I think you've got to look at a couple of things. You've got to, to me, you have to look at what is the Celtics teams, this team's ceiling really in the next year or two. Um, how far do you think, like, like let's, say the Celtics were to keep Kemba and try to re-sign Fournier um, and not move Tristan and not move Smart. Like, just there, the Celtics are going to be pretty far into the luxury tax. I think, like, you know, 15 to $20 million into the luxury tax, which is a, a much steeper luxury tax price than this ownership has ever paid, even in our championship years. Um, and it's probably a price tag that they'd be willing to pay if they felt really bullish about the team's championship odds. To me personally, as we talked about last time, I think that's unlikely that we are that close to a championship in the next season. I think we're probably two, maybe three seasons away from being back in that conversation in a really legit way. Um, And so then you have to say, what pieces do we need to move to, to increase our cap flexibility? And what pieces can we move? I think in the need to move space would be Kemba. You know, it's it's 35 million or so, 36 yeah. million this year and next, or the next two seasons basically. The, that second season being an option, which if he continues to struggle with his knee um, and performance, it, it seems highly likely that he'll pick that option up. Granted, we said the same thing about Horford and, <laughs> and Hayward, so you never know. Um, but let's assume that Kemba is going to pick that up. So two years remaining. Uh, Marcus Smart is a year out from his contract coming up. He's at a very tradable deal. He's a valuable player that does contribute to winning, as frustrating as some of his decisions can be. Um, You know, you have a player like Fournier who clearly is helpful for this team, but is also clearly flawed. Um, He was very exposed in that series against the Nets. Um, and he's arguably going to be uh, getting something in like 20 to $22 million a year range as a free agent this offseason, and you have to ask if that's some, a price that is worth it for a player of his caliber, especially for a team like the Celtics in the cap situation. So I think these are... Um, and then someone like Tristan Thompson, who, you know, I still think Tristan can be a useful contributor. He's He's did not perform as well as I hoped this past season. He did have stretches where he looked like what I thought we were going to be getting, but it definitely wasn't consistent um, at the level that I was hoping for. Um, the The Celtics blogs Slack uh, did assure me that I would not be left completely abandoned <laughs> on Tristan Thompson Island. Uh, one, one fellow Celtics blog uh, contributor said they'd be willing to put a timeshare in, put in for a timeshare. Uh, others seem to galvanize around the idea of Tristan as a, as a good backup five. And I, I think I think I probably fall there as well. But then that raises the question around extending Robert Williams, which is, 
can we can Robert Williams stay healthy enough for us to rely on him as our starting five? So there are some really challenging and critical questions around this team. Um, if I were in Steven's position, my number one priority would be figuring out the least costly way to the Celtics to get off of Kemba's contract. Mike, you compared this team to when Danny Ainge took over, and you're not the only one to do this. Uh, there's a lot of pessimism around the Celtics' salary cap predicament uh, right now. The team now and that team in 2003, which also was was capped out, it's night and day. It's totally different. The The ceiling on that team in 2003 was so much lower than this team. You basically had Paul Pierce, and that was it. Antoine was way overpaid, and they ended up trading him for Rafe LaFrance. Uh, right? That was the, the same deal, right? Yeah. Yep. And and LaFrance had a horrible contract then, but it was slightly better than, than Antoine Walker's. Uh, that team lucked out in making one conference finals. They were a low-tier playoff team. They were never going to win a championship. And so you really had to overhaul the roster, except for Pierce. They also had zero young talent. You had like Tony Delks and like players that were fringe rotation guys uh, who were never going to become more than that. This team is completely different. I think you could argue that Jason Tatum has a higher ceiling than Paul Pierce. Jalen Brown is certainly better than Antoine Walker. I feel like Kemba Walker is more equivalent to Antoine at that point. Um, there was nobody on that team like Marcus Smart. And you have a bunch of young guys with some potential here on rookie contracts. The, other than okay. Kemba Walker, every other contract here is reasonable. Even Tristan Thompson getting $9.7 a year, he, that might be an overpay, but he's got one year left. That's easy to get off of. You have decisions to make about Robert Williams, and you you have one bad contract in Kemba Walker. So it's a it's a completely different situation. It is not nearly as pessimistic. You've got this team is one of the brightest young talented teams in the NBA. You, I, I feel like most front office executives would take this 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 cap situation and this roster. It has a fair amount of flexibility. Now it's not ideal. It's not perfect. That I think the Celtics had a little had a window in the last year or two to set themselves up better than they did. They certainly. It was it was a tough uh, outcome. What happened with Gordon Hayward, not just last year, but prior to that with the injury. What happened with Al Horford? Uh, what happened with Kyrie Irving leaving? Those were some some tough outcomes, and just just from a cap situation. I mean, we we won't get into personality type and things like that, but uh, I, I think that the fans should feel better about this cap situation than you are describing it as when you compare it to that 03 team and, and then some others uh, are. And I'm not saying that from a naive uh, place. I, I recognize the challenges ahead of the Celtics. So Adam, what does that mean for re-signing Fournier and, and being 15 to 20 million into the, the luxury tax like Mike was saying? Yeah, well, so the front office needs to, not the front office, the ownership group needs to decide, are they actually going to pay up? They have always said that they would, and they did with the previous championship team. And they need to figure out, do they see this as a championship team potentially in the next two to three years? If so, then they need to figure out how much in luxury tax they can actually pay. I would expect that they will pay 10 to $20 million in, in luxury tax. 
will they pay the 50 million, the 75 million that the Golden State or and some of the other wealthier ownership groups will pay? That is a massive question. And we don't know the answer to that yet. So we're, that's another thing that we're going to find out uh, coming forward here. What the Celtics, uh, what Brad Stevens now has is uh, decision-making freedom. He can decide to either sign Fournier or not, depending on what the number looks like. If they can get him at a reasonable number, great. Uh, if not, Stevens has the freedom to say, look, this was Danny Ainge's trade. And so we're going in a different direction now. Uh, and he gets leeway there in a, in a way that Ainge would not have giving up the half of the TPE and the, and the two draft picks. Uh, so that's interesting just from that perspective. Uh, in terms of Kemba Walker, I think most people agree that we should get off of that contract. What that takes in order to do it is a massive question. Um, and we can get into what that looks like. But it, it, consensus, Let's do it. consensus from people smarter than me is that the Celtics need to give up assets in order to trade Kemba Walker. They need to trade Kemba and a number one draft pick or more to get something that I think most fans would, would really like. Um, or else you're trading him for another bad contract, maybe a worse contract or a, or a far worse player. Um, the the recent rumor is Kristaps Porzingis. What would that look like? That's gross to me. <laughs> I don't want Kristaps Porzingis. He's got an, a whole nother year on his contract. Um, he's got a ton of money. He's got a similar injury history. Um, the, this summer is, gonna, is supposed to be a pretty busy one with trades because there aren't as many free agents and teams are starting to set themselves up for the 2022-2023 season. So, uh, so we're off of that number in two years. And next I, year I, he's a tradable contract. He's more tradable because he's in the last year of his contract. So that's, that's um, matching salary potentially. So I have, a, I have a question for for you for you both. I mean, we talked about this a little bit last time as well, and I, I think you know we, at least you and I, Adam, just kind of disagree a little bit on on what the ceiling of the team as currently constructed is. Yeah. Um, like I just I think you know you talked about that 2002 2003 team as being lucky to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. I would say, given the competition in the East, our team, as constructed, would be lucky to get back to the Eastern Conference Finals, given given Philly, given the Nets, heck, given the Hawks, who I'm not sure will beat in a five in a seven-game series right now, the way they're playing and the way they played for the second half of the season. Like, Trey Young has kind of figured it out at a new level. Um, that team is terrifying, frankly. Yeah. Uh, the Nets are clearly better than us. Like, so I think this Celtics team, with... Kemba, if we ran it back with this, you know, same core and re, you know, kept Kemba, kept smart, re-signed Fournier, uh, we got a little some development from Brown and Tatum. I don't think we're an Eastern Conference finalist, let alone a finals contender. Personally, Mike, how do you feel if you were a Lakers fan right now? Would you be saying similar things? Um, if I was a Lakers fan, I'd just be saying I don't. I'm worried about LeBron's health. But I will give that, like, I would still, I would not be convinced yet that a healthy LeBron and Anthony Davis are not enough to carry a team to championship level. But Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are not LeBron and AD, even a 37-year-old LeBron. Like, well, yeah, that, that's a, they're just much better players. The last it's a different year, conversation to me. The last year has been so weird, including the bubble. Uh, the The... 
three of the top four teams are no longer couldn't make it past from last year. Three of the top four teams could not make it past the first round this year. And so it's just such a weird, fluky season. It's so hard for me to look at recent history with the Celtics and, and draw conclusions from that. And so I have to extend the timeline further back. And I, I think that this core has more potential than, than you do. Um, it's not so bad that we need to blow it up a, more more than moving Kemba. But, but this core, like the core you're referring to, a lot of the quote-unquote core wasn't there for any of the runs before last year's. I'm thinking In Brown, fact, most Smart, of them were and Tatum. Yeah, it, yeah, I but that's fine. I am okay, I would be okay with us continuing to build around those three, but we have to move pretty much everyone else. Well, if you want to be like the Atlanta Hawks, then we want to continue to see our young guys develop. Um, that's what they've done. And I'm curious, you know, Jeff Clark put out the – the Kemba Walker trade uh, column a couple of days ago on the, on the blog. I'm curious about what you guys think about the old name, Al Horford. Would you do Kemba for, for Horford? It's Horford's no. got one less year on his deal. Well, wait a second. He's because Kemba's got next year and then it's a player option for the next Horford has next year. And then I think he's partially like guaranteed. Partially guaranteed. Yeah. yeah. And it's a lower number, too. Um, so, I mean, if you're talking, it's a decision the front office has to make about, uh, like, it, let's say the front office feels the way Mike does, then, yeah, you do that deal just to get off of Kemba. It's not, a, you're, you're taking less talent uh, to to get more cap flexibility. And but you I, have to trade a first with that. Or, like, OKC has no interest in taking on a longer salary unless they're getting a sweetener. Yep. They don't. They don't care about the greater talent. So are you are you, you still okay with it then? If you had to give up a first, if it were me, I would keep Kemba just because I don't think there's going to actually be a trade that makes sense for this team to deal him. So I just want to go through a couple of them. Horford is one that I would have to think about. I'd have to stop and think about it just because you're getting out of the money when you're earlier. Um, for Kemba, I would think that the other deal I liked from that column is the Patrick Beverly. Luke Kennard deal. You know, Jeff Clark had Terrence Mann in that deal as well. I don't think we're getting Terrence Mann and Luke Kennard with a Patrick Beverly for Kemba. But the idea of adding grit and toughness in Patrick Beverly, even though he's not playing uh, that well or playing much at all for the Clippers, I think that's enticing for our locker room for, and, and for what he can do on the court. Um, that's another one I would think about. And I would be okay keeping Kemba in both of those situations and not making those deals. But wanted to get your thoughts. If there's one thing I want the Celtics to improve on in this offseason, it's grit and toughness. They need more of that. So would you I, trade Kemba for Pat Beverly and Luke Kennard and salary filler? Let let me let Mike go. I, I need to look up the salaries there. Yeah, I, I personally think Pat Beverly has reached a point where he's more name than game. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um I think I think he was an elite guard defender for many, many years. He is feisty as, as all get out. Um, frankly, I'd be a little worried about a locker room that had him and Marcus smart in it. Um, because that's pretty combustible combination. No. I think they, they, they could feed off each other. I think they could also, uh, in, in good ways and bad ways at times. I don't think it's inherently problematic, but I, I don't think I, I agree. We need more toughness. I don't think Pat Beverly's 
got the right toughness that we need. Nothing in his history suggests he's um, he's he's got kind of the grit that like galvanizes and brings together a locker room. Certainly not at an elite team level. Luke Kennard um, has four, which years. is hard to get. I mean, it's hard to come by. He's, Luke, he'll have three years, I think. After he'll this have season. four years, four years left at um, sixty-four. It's sixteen a year, right? Yeah, it, it, it's uh, like thirteen, fourteen a year. It's. I mean, he needs to produce to match that salary. So you're a no. Uh, I. I mean, you're getting one year of Beverly. It, you're really just getting off of that. You have to like Luke Kennard at that number. I'm not sure that I do. Yeah. I. I, ha- I haven't followed close enough how well he's played. I know he's improved since his time in Detroit, but. He's only 24, but it's he's not somebody I'm excited about on this team. He's he's a bench player making making top mo- almost starter money. That's like he's, I, he would make similar to what we've been paying Marcus Smart. Yeah, I mean, I I have I, despite my uh, what I said at the intro, I have not actually scrutinized all all angles on the trade machine yet. Um, but my priority would be for for removing for moving on from Kemba would be something probably more like the Al Horford deal, where you're getting back a quality player on on same or less years. Um, because the reason I'm moving on from there are two reasons I'm moving on from Kemba. One, uh, I remain worried about his ability to be to help raise our ceiling at a championship level. And, and I, I still don't think, unfortunately, we've seen anything to suggest he really can do that. Um, now it's possible that with a full offseason to further strengthen his knee, he can be in a situation where, where he's performing at the level at his best in the playoffs. Um, but he hasn't, he hasn't gotten there yet. Um, so I'm wor- I remain worried about that. Uh, the other reason is because of the, the salary cap issues that, that we talked about. So... You know, I would want if if I moved on from him, it would be kind of a concession and acknowledgement that with him as part of our kind of core team, we're not in a position to compete for a championship. And so I'd want to increase our flexibility sooner so that we can move and and acquire another big piece to put next to Jalen and Jason sooner. Um, So that would be so I would, you know, as Adam alluded to with Kennard, I'd be really reluctant to take on a salary like like Kennard's in moving on from Kemba. And if we were to trade Kemba for Al Horford, in effect, uh, lowering the number of that max slot, that would enable us to re-sign Fournier and, and uh, you know, put a little bit less pressure on the ownership to pay the big, big bucks in the luxury tax, right? Mm-hmm. I don't, I mean, it, I don't think it lowers it that much. I mean, the, the difference is what, six, six, seven million dollars basically in their salaries, um, six or seven. So it's not, I mean, f- yes, it, it lowers the tax burden a bit. I still, I'm a little skeptical at how much, as to how much tax this ownership group is going to be willing to pay for a team that, again, for me, seems pretty unlikely to, to be at a championship level. Well, that Horford trade is the one that's like a car crash to me where it's disgusting, but I can't look away. I'm like rubbernecking. I'm now going 60 in the fast lane because I keep thinking about it. Um, It keeps popping up as something that, you know, would be incredibly ironic if it happened based on how we left town for more than we we were willing to pay. But um, maybe the best solution right now. I'm really low on Kemba right now. 
the other trade in that column that I kind of like, I mean, again, all of these are disgusting and I'd probably just keep Kemba, <laughs> but uh, Steven Adams and Eric Bledsoe. Steven Adams really? makes, makes 17 million next year, 18 million the year after. He brings the toughness that I, I really want this team to have. It's, it's, he's a ground bound old school big, but uh, he's only 27. Eric Bledsoe is has not performed well from the perspective of expectations Leto is not good. let him finish the sentence <laughs> um but if you're if you if you're bringing bledsoe off the bench and you're expecting him to be like a sixth to eighth man i feel like that shifts what you're getting out of him he's a solid defender he's also tough he can put the ball in the bucket a little bit even though he doesn't shoot as well as you want from three he's making 18 million next year and then he has um an option for nineteen million the next year, but you can buy him out uh, and only pay four million. It's only partially guaranteed, um, so you can get off that Eric Bledsoe contract after one year, and then Thank you've God. got two years of of Stephen Adams. So those are two guys that I feel like would actually be productive, helpful players for this team. Uh, and, um, and wait, Adams has two more years, yep. like one more one year beyond what Kemba has. No, Sorry. it's the same as Kemba. It's the same as Kemba. Okay. Yeah, two more years, but at a much lower number. And yeah, I'm with Mike. I hate Eric Bledsoe, one of my least favorite players in the entire league. I've always hated his game. I really don't want to see him as a Celtic. Is there any way to buy him out of two years? I mean, he's tradable <laughs> next. He's tradable next year. He's 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 salary filler next year. Uh, basically, an expiring contract. And if you have Steven Adams on the team, can you have Tristan Thompson and Robert Williams at the same time? You got to really get rid of Tristan Thompson then. Right? Correct. Yeah, please. Yeah. Can we make that happen? That sounds but, great to but me. But I think doesn't that doesn't that come into play with um with Horford as well, right? Like you can't play Horford next to Thompson or Horford next right. to to Williams, right? I mean, True. It, none of those guys is a four, so yeah. it's a it, it's the same conundrum there, and you'd have to probably make a decision. You'd probably try to move on from Tristan, maybe in the same trade if you can, you could pull it off. Um, I so so Adam, you would not move on from Kemba if you would be your leaning at least. It sounds well, like it's like. Probably not, based on what I expect to be available to the Celtics in a trade. I'm guessing that we would actually get more value from Kemba. We know his injury situation better than other teams are going to. I think that they are going to be concerned. We know that he um, he can perform at a just under All Star level. You're probably playing him in the regular season, not on back to backs, but otherwise he's. It seems like he can actually stay relatively healthy. Um, I don't love having small point guards. Uh, so I, I just feel like he adds more to this team than the value you're going to get back. Um, it's not like you're getting some some impressive young stud back for Kemba. You're not. I certainly wouldn't yeah. do a, a trade like Kristaps Porzingis. I wouldn't add. I any, I would, I mean, I would, oh. Three years ago, I would have jumped at that. But now you don't want to add in any years of salary. Yeah, I remember you were maybe higher on Chris Tapps than any player in the league <laughs> at one point. Um, um, let's let's not talk about that anymore. <laughs> um, so, uh, so, go ahead. Uh, well, I, I was going to change gears, but because I, I think we're we're, we're going to wrap up pretty soon here. But go ahead, Josh. What what would well, you do I, with I Kemba? To, no, I wanted to change gears. I wanted to make one, well, two comments. 
Number one, you guys were talking about Robert Williams and his injury history. We know he's always been injured. The one question that I got answered this year by him was, was he going to play through the pain? And to me, he proved that he is willing to play through the pain. Um, I, I That was not something I'd seen of him in college or with the Celtics in his first couple of years, you know, always being banged up and never really playing through it. He he pushed a little bit. He pushed himself this this year. He was... Um, late in the in this in the season, he was banged up, and, and the turf toes no joke. I don't know if he also had the plantar fasciitis, but he you know he he really gave it a go and was out there. And every game he seemed to re-injure himself or tweak the injuries, and then couldn't continue the game. And then the next game he'd be back. It felt like you know trying again. And so that to me says something about Rob Williams and his uh, his grit and his ability to push through some some obstacles and, and have some mental toughness and and I kind of like him more for that because there's nothing worse than having a guy who's you know a little dinged up and he's just ready to sit out you know the fact that we were competing in the playoffs and, and, and you know that showed that he won he wanted something out there um, do we know who his agent is no I don't know this is the he's the kind of guy that that Ainge historically would get a team friendly deal with on an extension. Like he'd get him for four years and forty million or something like that. Uh, Kevin Bradbury. Yeah, great. So not a not a big guy. Josh, you know anything about him? No. Yeah, I mean Robert Williams can't has not proven that he can stay on the floor. He's got tantalizing talent, and and two years from now he could be worth twenty million a year. Right now he's certainly not. Uh, big men. You know, this is the kind of thing where Ainge would be like, look. You haven't proven you can stay healthy. I, I can't even trade you for something of a lot of value. We really like you. We really want to continue to develop you. We see you as our starting center of the future, but you got to prove that to us. We'd love to keep you, sign this team-friendly deal, and then you'll you'll get really paid the next time around. Um, we'll see what, what Brad can do uh, in negotiation with him. Yeah, and I think, I mean, he was we, – we've compared him um, – since being a rookie to like our Clint Capella and just look at, you know, Clint Capella has actually like made that Hawks defense uh, decent. Um, I think, I think that, you know, there's, there's a higher ceiling for Robert Williams than there is even uh, for Clint Capella at his level of play. And I agree with you, Josh, he, sh- he has shown a toughness and resolve um, and really just kind of a commitment to getting better and, and taking basketball seriously as a craft and as a, you know, and honing his, his basketball intelligence. And I think we've seen it grow kind of by leaps and bounds over the last two to three seasons. So, you know, I, I think everyone, all Celtics fans are pretty excited about him. Um, and it, it is just a big question mark on his health. And I, I agree with you, Adam, that it, those are circumstances that Ainge has played historically very well, you know, and, and signing to team friendly kind of four year deals like he did with Avery Bradley and he did with Marcus Smart. And this would very much fall into that lane. Um, Clint, Clint Capella is making 17 million a year. Uh, Christian Wood just signed for about 13 million a year. I meant we mentioned Steven Adams. He's making 17 million a year. It's not like these recent contracts for centers much better than Robert Williams are are exorbitant. They're 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 reasonable. So I feel like we could get Robert Williams for a good price. Can can I transition just to one yeah. uh, hypothetical that I'll heavily caveat here? So 
this this was this was fed my my intrigue into this hypothetical i mean it's been around but i saw something where chris manix was manix was talking about this as like something the celtics are looking at apparently evan vassy who's completely unreliable uh was also talking about this but the celtics you know watching closely a team to watch with with regards to dame lillard i agree with what you said earlier josh i don't really think dame lillard is going to become available but Mm. I wanted to toss out this hypothetical just to see really where you guys stand with how aggressively the Celtics should pursue. So there's going to be two, um, or I guess one one assumption I'm asking you to to make with, with the offer I'm about to throw out there. And the assumption is that the Celtics can find, whether it's something like what we just talked about, Kemba for Horford or something like that, but they can find a way, a, a, a sufficiently palatable way to move on from Kemba. Assuming that, and we get a, a player back in that deal that's useful, even if not as good as maybe Kemba is, would you entertain a trade built around Jalen and Marcus for Dame? Josh, do you, do you have an answer? No, I don't trade Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart for Dame Lillard. Um, Mike, Dame Lillard has... An unreasonable contract. I, I know. I knew where you Over fell 50. on this, Adam. I knew it, it's not. It's about to be. It's going to be high forties, I think. But it's about to be a five-year max. He yeah, makes forty-four next year. Forty-four yeah. next year. Forty-seven the year after. Fifty the year after that. Fifty-four in his year thirty-five. His age thirty-five season. He's going to make fifty-four million dollars. So all you need is one injury, and you are effed. <laughs> you are totally screwed if Dame if you do a trade like that and Dame gets injured. So to me, it's like the risk is so high; uh, it's not worth it to me. Um, not only is it not worth it to trade Jalen Brown, I would have serious doubts about about trading. Like, would I trade Kemba straight up for Dame Lillard? I'm thinking about that. It's not an immediate yes. So. That's crazy to me. That, I know. That, yeah, that, that second thing crazy. you said is just wrong, I, in my yeah. opinion. <laughs> that's how ridiculous um, his salary is. So, <laughs> I mean, just just uh, look, the salary is is a very real issue. I don't know that I would do it, but I just for point of comparison, you know, from a from a basketball and offensive talent perspective, I would say that Dame and Tatum in combination is probably same similar maybe a shade worse than like Kyrie KD just from pure offensive capacity Dame is unequivocally the second best point guard in the league behind only Steph Curry and Steph Curry just had the season he had at 33 Dame is 31 they're not the same but Dame I mean I'm just, I'm not arguing necessarily that we that this should happen but I just want to try to bring some perspective onto how obscenely good Dame Lillard is, which is I think something we on the on you know on the East Coast and Celtics fans don't necessarily have a chance to appreciate as much because he plays in a smaller market that's on the West Coast. Um, but he is, if if Steph Curry didn't exist, hmm. like he would he would be the epitome of transcendental small smaller you know scoring point guards. He's unbelievable. Can we give our money to bigger players, please? Can we stop giving all of our money to the little little guys? I can't, I can't do it anymore. They just they keep, their defense is is limited. 
Um, listen, we need to wrap up and we need to give a, a couple of updates on on the bets that we ha- made this season. There were two bets that I want to update us on. Uh, the first one, Mike, do you remember your Tristan Thompson bet? I, I sure do. I bet both of you, I believe it was uh, equivalent to a, a good dinner, but basically $40 each, uh, that Tristan Thompson would attempt more than 53 pointers this season. His final tally was, I believe, zero. No. <laughs> Why did you? You're wrong. You're wrong. He took three three-pointers. Oh, he took three. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Why did you make this bet, Mike? I really thought Stevens, much like he did with Aaron Baines, and much like he Tice. did with Al Horford and Daniel Tice, was going to push and encourage Tristan Thompson to get out and stretch the floor as a stretch big because so much of how Stevens likes to run his offense runs through stretch bigs. And we had seen, especially someone like Baines, who had no history of shooting threes really before coming to Boston. Um, Thompson was he, practicing he, threes. There yeah, were he was practicing Mike threes watched. in the preseason. Yeah. Yeah. I seem so to I, I just, remember I, it going down. There was a Thompson, video. And Thompson shooting. was shooting, actually had shot. He shot more threes his last year in Cleveland. Yeah, last he took year like 23. He took like 14 or 20. Yeah, 23. so... I didn't think it was insane. It clearly was. So <laughs> I accept that I completely missed the mark in, in multiple ways when it came to Tristan Thompson this season. And Josh made a bet with me. He basically he said that um, two of the five following players would shoot 40% or more from three this year. Peyton Pritchard, Carson Edwards, Grant Williams, Aaron Neesmith, and Tremont Waters. They had to shoot 72 attempts minimum. Um, I I win if it's thirty nine or, or less. Josh wins if it's forty percent or more. Um, and Josh, here are the numbers: Aaron Neesmith, thirty seven percent. Sorry, didn't make it. Peyton Pritchard, forty one percent. He did. Carson Edwards, twenty eight point six percent. Grant Williams, thirty seven point two percent. Tremont Waters shot thirty nine point five percent. You round that up, Josh. That's forty percent. But you do not win the bet because he only took thirty eight of them. Yeah, I didn't even think he had that percentage. It was more about Neesmith and Grant Williams. Um, and because you don't put anything where your mouth is, Josh, there were no stakes for this because you didn't want them. So, All right, well, let's make the same bet next year, and we can throw <laughs> some stakes in. Literal, literal stakes. Yeah, actual yep. porterhouse, yeah. Um, I, I, I need to think about that. We can discuss that. Uh, I think, I think yeah. that segment was really just Adam wanting to claim that he won a couple of bets. What do you think, Josh? Um, Adam, we can even keep Jeff Teague in that bet for next year, too. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about his run on the Celtics. That was a nice... It's good to just forget again. about Jeff Teague in general. It, it really has been. Um... <laughs> All right, y'all. That's it. Thank you for listening, everyone. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Celtics Pride Pod or individually Mike Minkoff NBA and Coach Motenko for Josh. Thank you for listening. You are also part of Celtics Pride.